You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Start talking to you about this. I suspect this is going to go on for a while. So uh, today will be one of those typical first ventures into a new uh, series, a new train of thought. And so usually... I just kind of dump on you the first week, so you can kind of expect that. You can open your Bibles. Well, no, don't do that. Yeah, you can open your Bibles over to 2 Kings chapter 6, and we will get there uh, in a few minutes. Okay, you're going to stay there? Thank you. Um, So let me just preface what we're going to talk about today, and I probably have at least three times as much as we can get into today. Oh, we still have two hours left. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, but let me let me preface this. I, I want to obviously the I entitled this "Open the Eyes of My Heart." I could have called it "God Has Already Provided for Everything That We Could Possibly Need," but that seemed a little wordy. Uh, but that's what I wanted. That's what I want us to engage in for this week, maybe another week or two is I I want us to be saturated with the idea that whatever you're facing, and when I say that, we all have personal needs. We all have things that we need, right? Some of us need our bodies to be healed. Some of us need answers. We need wisdom. I think all of us need wisdom. Some of us need uh, freedom in some area. There's something that's uh, just still hanging on to our lives, lives that we know is not of God, and we need freedom in that area. Some of us have... Uh, And and then, so there are personal needs, all right? That's one thing. Secondly, all of us have an assignment to to the world, to our sphere of influence. All of us, we say this all the time, our assignment is to carry the presence of God and the gospel and and the the reality and the, the power of who Jesus is out into our sphere of influence we are supposed to be impacting the people around us with what God is, is doing in us. That also you can think of as a need. When I'm ministering to somebody, I have a need. I need the Lord to minister to them because whatever, if it's just me, it's probably not going to be all that helpful to them. Uh, so what I need is I need God's thoughts. I need God's power. I need God's spirit. I need his anointing on the words that he gives me to speak. I I need those things. Well, so uh, what I want you to get, we'll probably say this over and over. I know most of you know this, but I, I feel like we need to engage really deeply in the idea Jesus has already provided for every need and every challenge that we could ever face. He has already done it. He, he provided for us at the cross, through the cross, through the shedding of his blood. And we're going to look at scriptures uh, that show us this. And I'm sure <clears throat> most of you will be very familiar with those scriptures, but we need to soak in them again and again. Is Tim, t- is he stepping on people? Yeah. I... <laughs> it's all right, buddy. We don't, that's, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> you did kind of have to learn how again. Um so God has already made provision for whatever you're facing today. I really want that thought to, as we talk about all of this. Scripture tells us that over and over. 
we've already been given his life. We've been given his power. We've been given his authority. We've been given uh, his forgiveness, obviously, his mercy. We have, as we engage with him, we have his very nature at work in us. The Bible calls it the fruit of the spirit. We change and, and the output of our life looks like him more and more and more. I know we don't always look exactly like him, but that's the idea is more and more, we're actually changing. We're not just putting on religion on the outside. We are putting on Christ, but it's coming from the inside. Our outward man is is becoming more like him as he restores and, and renovates our heart. So the key to all of this is that we need to be able to have the eyes of our hearts open, to see, to know, to perceive. You know, we use the term see. It doesn't always come as as an image or as a vision. Sometimes it just comes as a knowing in our heart. Sometimes it comes, uh, it always comes, at least partially, it comes through the word of God, through the words that Jesus has spoken, through the words that he speaks to us on an individual basis. But we have this, we need to have this perception of what is already provided for us because you and I, we were designed so that, you know, we, we have we have a spirit, which is, the Bible says, that's our, that is the primary life. That is the part of us where when we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us, in our spirit man. Your spirit is, is eternal. Your spirit will never die. That's true for everybody. We all will live, every human being will live in eternity. In eternity where we live and how we live and what we experience in eternity is is the question. And that's based on our choices. But we have a spirit. Then we have this soul, our mind, our emotions, and our will. And, and sometimes the Bible refers to the heart. And and sometimes that's just, that's referring to the spirit. And sometimes it's referring to the soul. And a lot of Bible scholars believe that there's sort of, we don't have a good way to describe it, but it's like, our soul or our heart is sort of that place where the spirit and the soul overlap. When we get born again, our spirit is made brand new in Christ. It's, it's not going to change anymore. But our soul, it says, is in this process of renewal and transformation, renovation. And, it, and what the life that's in our spirit is transforming our soul so that the way that we think and the way that we act and the way that we feel and the, our outward man gets changed. And then, of course, that's all housed in this physical body. But we were designed so that that soul can actually live in and operate in both the spirit realm and this natural realm. God designed us as spiritual beings and put us on a physical earth to represent him and to have dominion over the earth, but we're actually spiritual beings. So the whole idea is we need to be, we need, we can live our lives. The choice is really ours based on what we focus on, how we live our lives, what we think about, where, you know, what we take in. We can live a spiritual life, a life that is oriented toward the Holy Spirit. Or we can live a carnal life, what the Bible calls a carnal life, have a carnal mind that is more engaged in the things on this earth, more engaged in the natural 
than it is engaged in the things that are in the spirit realm and the things that Christ has provided for us. We get to make that choice. We do make that choice, whether we want to make that choice or not. The, the, over in Romans chapter 8, it tells us that we can be carnally minded or we can be spiritually minded. And the spiritual mind produces life, and that word is zoe, it is the God kind of life, it is the abundant life that Jesus talked about, it's life, the same kind of life that Jesus has, it is resurrection life, whatever term you want to put on it, the, the, the spiritual mind setting our hearts and minds on the things of God, that produces life and peace, right? The carnal mind, it says, is actually lives as the enemy of God, so if, if we are so caught, we, are, we do live in the natural world and we're here to engage with the natural world, but we're here to engage with the natural world as we connect with God. We're here to bring what he's provided and release it in this earth. We, we, we're in this place. And if, if instead our thinking is dominated by what we can, what is just in this earth, what we can touch by our natural senses, if that is what is driving and directing our choices and our lives and what we're doing, we will live this carnal life. And it says that it produces death, which means separation from God, and that we can actually, through that, that mind, it says, stands in continual contention against God. We can be a Christian. And because of the way we think and the, the things we choose to focus our hearts on, we can actually live as with, with thinking that is it constantly resisting and contending with the way God thinks. To me, that is kind of a mind blower that, that we can do that because we tend to think, well, I got born again. I gave my life to Jesus. I belong to him. That's all true. And so now I just kind of hang out and, you know, wait for heaven. But that's not our role. It's not our assignment. And, and it's so interesting. God gave us so much uh, freedom, you know, on, on to choose the direction that we go in life. And yes, his influence is all, always there. And, and the Holy Spirit is always drawing us the right direction, speaking to us and all those kinds of things. It's not like I don't mean to portray that we're just kind of out here on our own. That's not true at all. But we have to choose what we give ourselves to. We have to choose what we focus on, what we consider, what we think about, what we carry, whether we're spending that time with the Lord every day. So we need the key to this. And I've got to move on is that the Lord has provided for us a level of, or a um, characteristic, anyway, faith that does two things. It both perceives what he has done and what is laid up for us and receives what he has done and laid up. Faith that is genuine will do that. It will perceive, and we'll look, probably won't even get there today, but we'll look at the verses that talk about that. Faith has the ability to see things that our senses cannot perceive. Faith will perceive them. And then there we stand in the choice. Well, which one am I going to go by? Am I going to go by this thing that's happening in my heart, this confidence that's saying, no, Jesus has already provided healing for me, or am I going to go by my elbow hurts? 
you know, which one is going to be the greater reality for us? Which one are we going to live in? Okay, and it's just a real simple example, but it's one of those things. Am I going to go by my God shall supply all of my needs by his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Or am I going to go by, man, I've got a bill due and I don't know how I'm going to pay it. Which one is going to be the bigger influencer on what we do in life? Okay, does this make sense to you? Did you find Second Kings back there in the Old Testament, Second Kings chapter 6? Now, there's a lot here, and we're not going to uh, look through most of it, but let me just kind of bring you up on the story. Most of you probably know this story. But so Elisha is in this situation where he's a prophet, right? And so uh, he he has been receiving information from the Lord, the Holy Spirit has been showing him in his prophetic role uh, what the the king of Syria that is opposing Israel is going to do. And so he's been sharing the battle plans that these guys are coming up with to defeat Israel. He's been sharing them with the king of Israel. He's been telling them where they're going to be and what they're going to do and how many people they're going to have and how they're going to set up their tactics and all that. He's been sharing these battle plans with the king of Israel. So the king of Syria starts to say, we've got a traitor on board somewhere because every time we go to do something, the king of Israel knows in advance what we're going to do. And I want you to bring this into a a modern setting. Uh, And let me just go on a little bit. So Somebody tells him, it's not one of us, we're not traitors. There's a prophet in Israel and he's hearing from God and he's the one that's telling uh, the, the enemy, the king of Israel, he's the one that's telling him what all our battle plans are. And so this guy very unwisely sets out uh, to destroy the, the prophet, to destroy Elisha. And so here he is. This is a, I want you to see this is a very real problem for Elisha in the natural. It's like if you, you or I started, being, uh, started telling somebody and one of the nations that is an enemy of the United States, we started telling, we had access to the, the, the plans, the military plans and strategies of our country, and we started sharing it with them. It's, it, if we did that, you can imagine that if they figured that out, the FBI would be on your doorstep, Homeland Security would be on your, you'd be in trouble. You would be a traitor to the nation. And this is what was going on. Now, Elisha was not a part of that nation, but this is what was going on. There was an army, a real army that came. He's living in a cave and this army comes and surrounds him and his servant, Gehazi, 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 anyway, he had one of those names. And uh, Elisha's servant is what his name was. And uh, that's what the Hebrew means there. No. Uh, so, so, so this army surrounds them, and the servant begins to get rather nervous, which, you know, um, verse 15, the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, And behold, there was an army with horses and chariots encircling the city. And Elisha's servant said to him, Oh no, my master, (laughs) you know, yeah. Uh, What are we to do? Verse 16, Elisha answered, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. That's such a great verse. Don't be afraid. 
those who are with us are more than those who are with him. And you can imagine him, the servant, you know, <laughs> counting, you know, and it's like one, two, and, you know, all of this. But Elisha was seeing something by the Spirit that was just as real as the natural army that was out there. More powerful, but just as real, but not visible. And that's what he's telling him. In verse 17, Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. So just a couple of points from this. This is a great example of what we're talking about. First of all, this is the Old Testament. Elisha did not have the Holy Spirit living in him the way that you do. The, the you know, Boyd just talked about out of Hebrews, it, it uses that terminology that we live under a better covenant over and over and over in the book of Hebrews. It wasn't that the old covenant was bad, it's that the new one is better. So, but Elisha was a prophet, that was his role. And so the Holy Spirit would come upon him to empower him for that role. And, uh, but, it, but the Holy Spirit couldn't stay upon him the way he stays in and upon us. It's the difference between the Old and the New Testament. Nevertheless, Elisha is getting this information by the Spirit. He's able to perceive something that isn't visible to the senses. And, and so he's not panicking. Because he understands that what God has provided is greater than what this natural army that has surrounded them. The natural army was real. The natural army was dangerous. The natural army was a natural army. This was a real natural problem, just the way you and I have natural problems and challenges. But because he was listening to what the Holy Spirit was telling him, he could see something that couldn't be seen in the natural. So it wasn't that, I think sometimes we think that when we have a need, I think this is really kind of the key of what I'm talking about. A lot of times we have a need, and we approach that thing in prayer as if God didn't know about it. God hadn't yet done anything about it until we tell him. And, and we, even, we even go as far as to think if, if the prayer is not answered immediately or in the way that we think that it should be, we think, does God care? Does God hear? We, we come up with doctrines like... Uh, Yes, God always answers prayer, but sometimes the answer is no. Well, the scriptures, Jesus said, anything that you ask according to my will will be done for you. The according to my will part is really important there, okay? We can ask all kinds of things that God is not going to do for us, usually because it'd be really bad for us or we aren't ready to handle it or whatever, or we're just praying selfishly. We all understand that. But he said, if you are asking according to my will, and he said this in the context of teaching us about this vine and branches relationship, teaching us that if we abide in him and we let his words abide in us, then ask what you will and it'll be done for you. Why is that? It's because our hearts will be engaged with who he is and what his purpose is and all of that. We won't be just asking selfishly. We won't be asking amiss. We'll be praying. Our prayers will be 
uh, declarations of his heart, of his intentions, of his desire. We pray, you know, just for example, we pray over our valley and there are things we know are not of God and we want to see them change. We want to see people freed from that. We, you know, whatever it might be, we need to first take time, like Elisha did, to see what God has provided for that area. That should be our first prayer. Lord, what is your, what's your picture of this, first of all? Because a lot of times my picture is not right. No matter how spiritual you might think you are, we all have this thing where, you know, we see things through our own lens. So the first thing is just to yield ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to do about this situation? How do you want to address it? What is my role in that? We want to pray your prayers. We want to pray your heart. And as he begins to show us what that is, then there we are to speak it out, to release it, maybe to to actively make some changes. But that's the, otherwise we're in this place where we're praying from this position of thinking that God, we need to get God to do something new. You know, I, I have this, I have, my elbow hurts. My elbow doesn't hurt, by the way. My elbow hurts, okay. And I see in the word that, that uh, by the stripes of Jesus, healing is available for my elbow. God, I need you to recognize I have this problem and do something new. Instead, what I need to do is realize that what the scripture said was, by his stripes, you were healed. He's already put it out there. He's already done something. And I need to be able through faith to reach into what he's already done and receive from that. Does that make sense to you? So this was a real problem. And the the solution was already there. The heavenly army was already there. That army didn't show up when the servant's eyes were opened. That army was already there. And the prayer was, open his eyes so he can see. That's what we need too. And and we have it in the New Testament also. We have we have the prayer. But let me just stay on this. We have the prayer that we need to have the eyes of our heart open. We may get there today. We may not. All right. But let me just nail this with just a couple more verses, just to kind of give us this. Again, we just want to be saturated with these truths that He has already provided for us. What we need is already provided in the spirit realm. It's not in our possession, and that's where faith comes in. That's where this uh, exchange with God comes in. It's there for me, but I don't possess it yet. My elbow still hurts. Okay, it doesn't mean God hasn't moved. It means I haven't received the healing that he's already provided. I know, you know, to some of you, this may seem like semantics or a fine line. It's a really important line. It changes your prayer life. It changes. It. We come up... I try to be nice sometimes. We come up with the dumbest doctrines when we when we think that God hasn't moved, you know, that he hasn't that that he loves us, yeah, and we can go to heaven, but we don't realize the magnitude of what our salvation is. Just study that word salvation. It's not just about going to heaven. I mean, thank God it's about going to heaven. Thank God it's about spending eternity with the Lord and being forgiven of our sin and having a relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's important stuff. 
But there's so much more. It's so much more full than that. It was so much more full. The, the Hebrew idea of what salvation would be was so much more full than that. It was provision for every area. So Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, His divine power has given us, past tense, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. All right, I'll just stop right there. There's, there's a lot right there. Has given us. We see this throughout the New Testament. We see we were this, but now we're that. Okay? We see he has done this. It is done. It is finished. We see it over and over throughout the New Testament. He has given us everything we need for life. Again, it's the idea of abundant life, the abundant life. Jesus said that the enemy, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. And the idea, the word there is this word zoe, and it means the primary life. It means the life that proceeds from God. It is the God kind of life. There are other places we're not going to have time to get there probably today, but the, the, the New Testament talks to us about that we have received the same new life that he has. Resurrection life lives on the inside of us. And I know we don't feel like, I know we don't. This is why we've got to wrestle our brain into focusing on this stuff until this becomes real in our hearts. Okay, so it says he's given us everything we need for life, for life, to live the abundant life. And that would certainly include wisdom. There are physical parts of it, you know, healing for our bodies and things. But there's wisdom, there's there's you know, it all stems from the intimate relationship with God that we would have life. He's provided everything we need. I believe it means that he has provided everything that we need to have a godly, healthy, healthy uh, life that serves the purpose that God set us here to do. Uh, God has set us here to be the person that he has set us here to be, the changes that he needs to happen and bring about on the inside of us, all of that is encompassed. He's given us everything. He doesn't have to do something more. We just need to keep tapping into him and receive it. Everything that pertains to life and godliness to become more and more and more and more like him. To, and, and not as a religious work, as life pouring out from the inside of us. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. How? Through our knowledge. This word, it's a relational knowledge. It's an ever-growing knowledge. It is this perpetual, growing relationship with the Lord. Through that comes everything we need for life and godliness. He didn't leave anything out, who called us by his own glory and goodness. So we didn't get called to this because we were so good. He did it because of the love he has for us. That makes sense to you, okay? Through these, through his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises. He has given us his words. The, you know, Bible scholars, they argue because that's what Bible scholars do, but Basically, uh, the number that most people use is that there are 7,000, or they'll say over 7,000 promises in the Scripture. 
7,000 promises that pertain to everything concerning life and godliness. And, and, then, and this verse just connects these things together. Through our knowledge of him, this ever-growing relationship, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, all right, so now I'm engaging with his promises. That means I'm engaging with his word. I'm engaging with his word in this sense. Okay, it's not just, this isn't just um, a Bible lesson This is that I need to pass a test on. This isn't just knowing, being able to list a bunch of promises. This isn't, this isn't that. This is engaging with his, his word in a way that I'm recognizing, Lord, this is your word and you never lie. It's impossible for you to lie. This is your word, and you gave your son so that it could be fulfilled in my life. You didn't just make this up to me doing the right things. You did it. You're the one. You are completely trustworthy, completely faithful. And the scripture tells me over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, that all the promises of God are yes toward us in Christ. And our response is, so be it. That's what amen means, right? So be it. All right, so from him, it's yes. Every promise, yes. And from me, from our, from our end, it's so be it into the earth. That's, that's just an incredible thing. So he says he's given us, has given, past tense, his very great and precious promises so that through them, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Wow. Participate in his nature. I don't just have to live my whole life with the bruised, broken parts of me and my nature that came from wherever I don't have to live my whole life in that. Through his word and through this understanding, what he's already given me, I can participate in his nature and escape the corruption that is in the world caused by evil desires. I can escape from that. I don't have to live in that. I don't have to be influenced by that. I can actually live a godly life. I can do it. I don't do it perfectly all the time, but I can do it. None of us do. That's not what he said, but he's made these promises to us. So he's provided everything that we have, everything that we need. Let's look at one more verse. We're going to have to quit. There's another place I'd like to go right now, but we'll come back to it next week. I think. I'm not sure I can do it justice in four minutes. So uh, let me just say this. We'll explain this a little better. Ah, no, I'm not going there. I can't do it justice in what is now three minutes as I do this. All right, let's look at another one. Okay. And I know, I know, these are familiar verses. I hope they are to virtually all of you. If not, highlight the crud out of these in your Bible and go back to them. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 are just filled with these ideas. Okay. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed and worthy of praise be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Okay, has blessed us is a completed action. It is something he has already done. It is in the past tense. Wow, but those are spiritual blessings. Yeah, like the army that was around Elisha. That was a spiritual blessing that had impact on his physical life. I'm trying to think where this verse is. The, the Bible doesn't tell us, the Bible does tell us, let's take it that direction, that's over in Hebrews, that faith perceives as real fact things that are not yet evident to the senses. It doesn't say faith perceives as real fact things that don't exist, things that aren't real. It doesn't say that. Things in the spiritual realm, the things that Jesus has provided. There is essentially, and the Bible uses this terminology, and this is what I don't want to talk about because I don't have time. There is essentially, for lack of a better word, an account that is filled with spiritual blessing. It's Christ's account, really. We have an account too, and we can talk about that, but it is Christ's account. It is by his work and his grace. It is filled with every kind of provision. And the Lord tells us that our needs can be met not by our account, but by his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We can receive and we are supposed to receive from what Jesus has already provided. Those things are real. They belong to us or we just can't see them. And this is kind of the issue. I'll close with this. Uh, I think that Adam and Eve actually uh, had the ability. I mean, it's pretty apparent. They walked and talked with God in the garden. They had the ability to function in both the spiritual and the natural world. They functioned in the natural world. They named the animals and did the stuff, you know, that they did. They were assigned. They were given dominion. But all of that came from the relationship with God. I think that's, that's the picture. That's the design. That's how it's supposed to be. When mankind fell, when they fell, it, it says that their eyes were opened, but that when they were opened, they realized they were naked. It says before that, that they were already naked. Okay. But there was no issue with that. They had no shame about that. There was no, they, they were probably aware of it, but suddenly this shame came in. They started sowing fig leaves and hiding behind bushes and doing all this silly stuff because suddenly their, their focus, their eyes were opened to where the natural realm dominated over who they had been before. This is what I believe, okay? Other people probably believe other things. But there was something that changed there. And so you and I come up, most of us, as in a, in a natural world and in, uh, you know, depending on when you came to Christ and when your eyes were open to the spiritual realm, we kind of come the other direction. We grew up thinking that what we could see, taste, hear, smell, and feel was the only reality. And we live in a culture that wants us to believe that, wants us to believe that the natural is all there is and there's nothing else. We as believers, as Christians, we need to understand what he's provided in that spiritual realm. That's real. It's actually more real than this is. This one's going to go away. That one's not. 
you know. And so that, and I realize we can, you know, we come and it's, well, what about this? And what about that? Yeah, go to the Lord with that and let him reveal this stuff to you and put it into your heart so that that's where it has to happen. We've got to become more convinced that what Jesus has provided, that that is more real to me than what I see in the natural. And that's where we'll start walking in the gifts of the Spirit, walking in the supernatural, seeing the miraculous happen, and all of that, because we're not just trying to get God to do something. We're just releasing something he's already done, but it's real to us. Okay, man, I don't know how good a job I did with this, but I got to quit. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know what you, I know exactly what you meant. And you're right. So, let's just pray together. Father, we just <laughs> these wives. I'm telling you. Father, we we thank you so much. Lord, Father, we thank you. I just pray today, Lord, that your word, I know it's full of life. Jesus, you said your words are spirit and life. And I just ask help us with this. Help us with this issue. Lord, that we can be people who progressively grow in our ability to, first of all, know what you have provided, what you're saying about a specific situation or a specific need. What are you saying that we can hear you and see what you're providing and then live from that, Lord, that we want to grow. I think most people in this room want to grow in that spiritual truth and in living by the Spirit of God and knowing, Lord, that our assignment is to Pray, be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we need to be tapping into what's in the heavenly realm. So, Father, we just ask for the help of the Holy Spirit in that. I pray, Father, that where there's any confusion about this, Lord, just speak to us. Just speak to hearts through your word. And I I just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I, I do want to say again as we're closing out today, and you can stand up, just that it's so important and and I think I know everybody in this room right now, but it's so important that we begin this whole deal with giving our lives to Jesus Christ. And And what that means is that we come and we submit our hearts to him. We recognize that he is the only way to the Father, just like he said, that he is the Savior, that is just by his sacrifice and blood at the cross that we can be saved. And it is all by grace. It's not by our works. It's not by us trying to do things harder. It is by yielding and inviting him to be savior in our lives. And and so that's, we call it being born again. You pray that prayer and you ask the Lord to, to receive your, you give your life to him and you take him into your heart. And beyond that, Jesus did tell his very own disciples to stay in place. They had already trusted him, but he said, stay in place until the Holy Spirit is poured out and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit because you need power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We need that ministry of the Holy Spirit. So if either of those things apply to you or or somebody is watching us online today, you would have to contact us, but we'd love to help you pray either of those prayers to know the Lord or to receive the Holy Spirit in that capacity in your life, or if you need healing or anything else in your body, there will be a couple of us up here to pray with you after service. Okay? So let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. I hope to see you back here at 6 o'clock tonight. One, you don't have to say that part. 
One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.